Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. So today I want to talk to you about salvation and how great, how great, how comprehensive, how deep our salvation really is. And if we understand this, and we have to grasp it by faith because it's not just a mental thing. But if we can understand how powerful our salvation is, it will change every aspect of your life. It will change how you see things, how you say things, how you, how you respond, you know, your view of where you're going and, and what's happening and so forth. But, but your, how you understand and appropriate the incredible salvation that the Lord has given you will change everything in your life. And so it's, it's important for us to understand how great our salvation really is. It says this in 1 Chronicles, the 16th chapter. I'm going to read it to you. Sing to the Lord all the earth. This is talking about worship. And I'll tell you something. There needs to be worship in our homes. There needs to be worship where we get up in the morning and we begin to declare the things of God over ourselves. Come on, over our marriages, over our kids, over our home, over our car. And it depends if you have a bad refrigerator. Maybe you need to declare the goodness of God over that. <laughs> proclaim his salvation day after day. Or proclaim his salvation every day. I, I, want, I want us to, you know, rehearse this verse as we go through the message today. God, every day I'm saved. I get up in the morning and I declare my salvation is so great. It's so powerful. It's so deep. It's so comprehensive. On me and my kids and my house and my marriage and my wife, I declare it in Jesus' name. Amen. And listen, the more I understand how great my salvation is, the freer I am, the more bold I am, the more vision I have for the future. I become a different person as I understand what it means to truly be saved and to truly have the power of God over me and in me. I become a freer person. I become more bold, more confident, more happy. I have more vigor. Amen. And, and, and if I drift away from this understanding, the devil is able to get in and talk me out of it. But I, I don't want to lay the blame fully on the devil because many times we agree with the devil. We start to agree with him. Yeah, you know, that's so true. What a bum I am. You know, I'll tell you, the thing is, this depression, you know why I have this depression? You know why I'm so tired? You know why I'm exhausted? We begin to agree instead of understanding, hold on a second, he is a liar, and I'm not going to agree with that, but I need to declare over my life the great and mighty salvation of the Lord. So I want to look at what salvation is in the Bible so that we can get a grasp, a greater understanding of what it is, and by, by the time you leave today, I pray Everything has shifted in your life to declare how great a salvation God's given you. Turn in your Bibles at Ephesians, the first chapter. Do you have your Bibles with you? If not, why not? No. Pastor Steve, don't condemn me. No. You need to bring your Bible to church. Where'd you think you were going today? Open up in your Bibles at Ephesians. I'm going to have you turn to two verses, main verses today. And so, um, but the first one is in Ephesians. But I, I truly believe that you do have some sort of Bible with you. 
Have I, have I hammered that point enough? All right, move on. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. Now, Paul the Apostle is preaching to the church at Ephesus this concept of salvation, but he, he, he speaks it to every letter that he writes in the New Testament, or most of them. He is declaring to them that he, he even says to the Colossian church, I am struggling to get this across to you. But he says it to the church at Corinth too, but he's describing this whole uh, power of salvation here in the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, verse 18 says, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. And I'll tell you something, church. We need the eyes of our hearts. It's not just our heads. Because, because I, it's deeper than that. It's in my spirit, man, that this truth needs to go down deep. Because sometimes my head will talk my, myself out of the things that I should know in my spirit. So I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, the richness of glory that God has given you or put on you. I pray that you'll know it. And his incomparably great power, his unspeakably great power for us who believe. It is, it is an in, incredible power that God has put on you and in you. That power over me, in me, is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly realms. We are seated with Christ as well. Do you know that? This incomparably great power is on us. It is working in us. It's the working of his mighty strength in us and through us like he did for Christ. Far above, in verse 21, Far above all rule and authority, all power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in this present age, but also in the one to come. What's so awesome about this, but it says in this present age, over every dominion, over every authority, over every other voice, over every other thing that would try to come against you, I have a greater, more mighty power and glory on me and in me. Can you say amen? amen. I'm seated with Christ. So I want to I give you the concept of salvation. Salvation is that you're rescued by a conqueror and a king, and then you're defended by that same king. So you are rescued and then defended. I am rescued from all the bondage, all the chains, all the mistakes, all the sin, all the, you know, the junk, the darkness, everything that was in my life before Christ. I, he comes, and instead of that being this, this these you know, impenetrable bonds and chains that are on me, the conqueror comes greater than my captor and delivers me from it. Amen? So now I am free. I am free from my past. I'm free from my sin. I'm free from darkness because I've been set free. But then it also is the concept of that he defends you. He's not only your, your deliverer, your rescuer, and these are the words that go in this word salvation, rescued and defended. He's now my defender. He now stands as my protector. I will never not be without my Savior. I will never not be without salvation. I will never not be under the glory that God has put on me and under, in, in, in the power that God has put in me. I'll never not be with it. So I, I am rescued and protected. I am, I, am, I am delivered and defended. So I stand here today. You stand here today as believers in Christ rescued 
and defended. You might not feel like that, but I'm telling you, I pray that the eyes of your heart are enlightened so that you can understand what salvation really is. So that, and now I live in this. And every single aspect of my life comes under the power of that salvation. Every aspect of my life comes under the power. You know, uh, the Ephesians goes on and talks about the helmet of salvation. Put on the helmet of salvation. You know, it's interesting that the helmet goes over the, the brain, you know, over the mind. Because it's how we perceive things. I, I pray, let the helmet of this glory and power that, that is in salvation get on my mind. So that I can think differently. I can see myself differently. I can answer back to the devil differently. I can stand my ground differently. Because I'm saved by the power and the glory of the Lord. There's one more verse I want you to turn to. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, turning your pages, turning pages, turning everybody turning pages in your Bible. You're turning your pages to 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, and in verse 17. Are you there? Say amen. amen. Only a few of you are there. <laughs> I'm waiting. I want you to see this, and I want you to circle it, mark it in your Bible, put a little check mark there, because this is a verse that we should memorize. This is a succinct uh, definition of what salvation really is. It says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, in verse 17, if any man be in Christ, he is a new, the King James says, creation. I like that. He's a new creature here in the NIV, but he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Behold, all things are different. Behold, all things in my life now become new. The old is passed away. Do you have an old? Yes, you have an old. It's passed away, though. Salvation now comes and chops off that old and says, you are no longer that. All things become new. You see why I, t I tell you it takes faith to even appreciate this, to, to grasp this concept? Because you still keep letting the old leap back into your life. You keep letting it torment you and, and torture you and try to tell you who you are. That old identity is dead. It's under the blood. It's in Christ. You are set free. All things become new. I am a new creature. I'm a new creation. And so the devil comes to plague you with this stuff, and many times you agree, that is me. You know what? He's right. I have to agree with him on this. He normally doesn't tell the truth, but on this one, he's right. No, he's wrong. All things, all things. Everybody say all things. You have to remember that. You have to remember that because you get into the fray of life and you forget, wait a second, this too is under the blood. Your, your salvation is from your past. I want to give you a few segments here that your salvation works on, but first and foremost, we have to understand you're saved from your past. You know, I understand you had a past. I understand you were, you were this or you were that. You know, you were never good. You know, I, I like people when they, when they say, you know, the thing is, once I got saved, I really, I really knew, you know, I always loved the Lord. I was like an altar boy when I was, ah, shut up, come on. You were just like the rest of us. Can you say amen? amen. You know, you really want to be shocked. Look at the person that you're sitting, sitting next to in church and figure out where they came from. You'll see, you're not so bad. They're really, 
Seriously. I know because I know some of you guys. And I have to convince you. Now, there's people in here that have been through that too, you know. And they say, there are? I'm not going to this church. No, no. You're, you're among the worst, but you're not the worst. But sometimes we live in a, a life in the present that continually drags up the regrets of the past. So we understand you had a past, but you're forgiven of it. All things. And so, so you, you know, you regret the decisions that you made. You regret the, the things that you did. You regret the family that you left. Or you regret the divorce that you did. Or you regret the house that you bought. Or you regret the job that you You regret that you didn't finish school. You're living in regrets. And the thing is, all things become new in Christ. So however I got here, I now move from here. But, but what happens is, those voices of regret... If, if you don't deal with them or understand fully, I am saved. I am cut, cut free from that. A defender came, a conqueror came, and, and, and bought me and paid for me out of my past. Yes, that was bad. Yes, I, I, I regret that. Yes, that was a sorrowful thing. Yes, that was my sin. Yes, I'm, I'm ashamed of it. But today is a new day. I am a new creature. I now... I have to have some confidence for my life. I have to have some boldness. I have to have some vigor. I have to have some vision. And I can't allow this to keep dragging a little bit of depression, a little bit of sadness, a little bit of sorrow. And then the devil adds to it and he says, you know who you really are. You know what you really did. You know where you really came from. You're really no different. And Christ says, all things become new. But he says, you're really no different. He is a liar. But don't let that leak into your life where you live in regret. You know, I, I, I just know that if I didn't make those poor decisions, I'd be different today. I'd have a better job. I'd have a better wife, you know. <laughs> I'd have a better husband. I regret the decision that I made. I'd have a better husband. No, come on. Don't let the lie. Don't live in regret. You had an abortion. Don't live in regret. You have to let it go under the blood and say, I'm a new creature. I'm a new creation. Amen? You've had mishaps. You've had tragedy. But today is a new day. Can you say amen? It's a new day. Because I'll tell you something. You can get into a spirit of sadness or depression that is not salvation. You're not living with a defender and a protector. You're, you're living with past regrets. And, and it becomes a sadness that just leaks into your life. It steals. It makes you vulnerable and weak. It steals your confidence and your ability to say, no, God has something for me. When you're constantly undermined by this stuff. And you get into this almost mode of operation where you regret everything. I regret I got that speeding ticket. And I regret that I did that thing. I regret I bought that mower. I regret I bought that thing. And I regret I bought that car. I regret it. I, I regret we live here. I regret the thing. 
You can live in a, and you, and you think somehow that that helps. You know, I regret even bringing it up. But no, you have to say, hey, I'm a new creation. I'm forgiven, I'm washed, and I'm going to stop regretting everything. Let it go into the past. Today is a new day. That's, that's why the verse that we read here, sing to the Lord today about my salvation. Get up in the morning today and say, I'm saved. This is a new day. I'm a new creation. Old things are passed away. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, so, so I go and rob another bank. And tomorrow I know what I'm going to declare so that it's behind me. Come on. Am I saying that? Are you getting that out of this? Of course not. But there is a darkness that keeps trying to, it keeps trying to reach from the past and drag you back into that. You know what you did. You know the mistakes you made. You left your kids. You left your family. You did this. You did that. You did, and, it, and it comes after you. And you have to say, at some point, I need a defender to come and set me free from this. Because I want to not live in the past and not live in regret. And then if, as we move on, there's salvation for today. I need for my, I need for my faith to grasp the fact that I'm set free from yesterday and I have power to live in today. I have salvation for today. I have the hand of God over me today. My defender stands with me today. And I'll tell you something, in the day and the age that we're living, if we ever needed to know we're saved, it's today. Amen? But your salvation is present. It is on you today. There's all this chaos that's going on, but today I stand here under salvation. You want to know why the world is so dark and upside down? But it's because people are, are choosing, choosing darkness rather than light. And God is letting you see. You know, I tell you, we prayed for years and years. God exposed the evil, exposed the corruption. Expo and then when we see it, we're like, oh my God. Did you see what they're doing? It, didn't we pray, expose it? Well, they're buying all the land up in Vermont. Yeah. I am not afraid. I'm under the hand of God's salvation. Amen. Matthew 24, verse 6 says, You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. See to it that you are not alarmed. I am not alarmed. Why? Because I am in Christ. And these things will happen. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Chaos all around you. But there's darkness. And God is trying to show us there's darkness because people choose darkness. You can choose darkness or you can choose the light. What will you choose? I'll tell you, um, I believe that this is where your salvation needs to separate you from all the darkness that's going on, I, I need to stay saved. I tell you, we're, we're going to see that, that God has not abandoned holiness. God has not abandoned holiness. God is not winking at sin and perversion and all kinds of weirdness and hatred and violence and sexual immorality. 
God is exposing it. And it's almost like you wonder, you, you, you'll ask yourself, how bad can this be? How, how far can this go? How, how dark can this get? It's almost like, it's almost like the limbo, the limbo bar. How low, how low can people choose evil? Teaching sexual perversion to a 12-year-old? Are you okay with that? Yeah, uh, I'm okay with that. How about to an eight-year-old? Are you okay with that? Yeah, I'm okay with that. How about a six-year-old? Are you okay with that? How low can we go to where you say, honestly, I know that this is evil, but I choose it? Come on, church, say amen. You know, if you read in some of the laws, and, and we have it here in Rhode Island, but if you read in the law, it talks about teaching sexual perversion to young people, and there's no age that's there. When you ask them to define what is young, they'll say, well, young. 12? Yes, young. 10? Yes, young. 8? How young? Why don't you put an age in there so we can decide whether or not that's a good age to teach people sexual perversion and immorality that's, that's completely against the Bible. Choosing evil, hatred, violence. It says in Deuteronomy, the 30th chapter, this day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and cursings. Now choose life. God even gives us the answer. But I'll tell you, we're living in this day, I call it the Barabbas syndrome, where people are saying, I think I want to choose the murderer, the liar, the thief, the grubby looking prisoner guy that has constantly been plaguing us over the spotless lamb of God that came to rescue us and did all these miracles. And we, all the people here have seen the miracles that he did. I choose him. I choose Barabbas. God is showing us there is darkness in the earth. I, I, I need my salvation to be on me today because I'm living in a chaotic, upside-down, dark world. But I, I'm not going to be afraid because these things will happen. As God is exposing the darkness. He's exposing the evil. He even gives us the answer, choose life that you and your children will live. Is it okay to abort a, a, a baby one day before it's born? Uh, let me think on this one. No, you know what's right. You know what's wrong. Be careful how you choose. But you're living in this world. I pray, live under salvation. Live under salvation. I'm going to declare to the Lord, here's what I choose, God. Here's what I choose. Even silliness with, with, uh, with evolution. God sets before us. Was, were, were you created by an eternal being that loves you? Or did you evolve from a piece of lettuce in a swamp? <laughs> Choose. Scientists today know that the the Darwin's theory is, is clunky and, and rudimentary. And it doesn't work. The, the, the theory is that this bug evolved into this bug and eventually turned a billion years later into Ralph. 
If you want to read some great books on intelligent design, they're by Stephen Mayer, who is a, an incredible um, uh, scientist and mathematician, but he's, he's written a lot of books on intelligent design. One of them is The uh, Signature of the Cell, and it talks about the, the DNA molecule, how incredibly complicated that is, and scientists know it. It's not something that can be evolved. It's not something that can be just thrown together from this bug turning into that bug. This bug turned into that bug, which, you know, it starts with a grape. A grape turned into a bug, turned into a porpoise, turned into Ralph. <laughs> Scientists know the DNA doesn't show that at all. It's an incredibly complicated a design that could only have come from a, a, a mind that you and I can e not even fathom. Can you say amen? amen. I asked a, a professor of biology. Uh, we, I was sitting on the plane next to him coming back from, I forget where. He was at Boston University, professor of biology. And I said, let me ask you a question. I said, um, is, is, does evolution say that these things that are on the end of my hand are... are um, uh, just, just morphed their, what's the word I'm looking for? Mutations. It's a mutation. And he says, yes, that's true. And I said, well, what's so amazing about these mutations, first of all, that they work and they articulate. I said, but they're exactly the same on the other side of my body. A mutation exactly the same on the other side of my body. And he goes, that's a good one. <laughs> he asked me to come and speak to his class at Boston University about uh, uh, intelligent design. I said, no way, I ain't going to that thing. <laughs> you think I'm an idiot? I said, where's the fossil record? Where are the fo where's the fossil record of all the transitional species? Where, are, where is it? Because it's not one fossil. And he said, well, no, they do have some. I said, the one they have of the, of the, of the uh, head that is uh, a, a very early human head turned out to be a pig. Is that not true? He goes, well, yeah, they just recently they discovered it was a, 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 a pig. <laughs> but now scientists know by looking into the DNA, you, God is telling us, listen, I put before you life and death. What do you choose? Do you choose Ralph came from a piece of lettuce or do you say that he was designed and created by an almighty God? How dark can we get? How dumb? The Bible says that God has given us over to depraved minds because what is seen points to the unseen. And then when you deny it, God says, well, then live in that denial and see if a depraved spirit doesn't come over you. In Ephesians chapter 6, it says, Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil... I'll tell you something. Put on the salvation of God, so that when the day of evil... We're living in a day of evil. But I don't want it to... I don't want it to mold me as a person. I want to be under the hand of God today. See, so I can't run around fretting and worrying and having the news on 24 hours a day where it begins to mold and shift my character. I need to get under the hand of God and say, today I declare your salvation over me and my family and my house. 
And just because there's chaos out there doesn't mean there's chaos in here. Can you say amen? amen. I don't want to just survive today. I want to thrive. I want to have vigor. I want to have light. You know, the Bible says that you are the light of men. But how can we be the light of men if we're worried about our past and have chaos in our today and we're trying to tell people about Jesus? No, I want to, I want to have something. Stability. Steadfast. Standing on the Word of God. My salvation is great. I pray for a dark world, but I thank God I'm saved. Can you say amen? amen. Proverbs 24, verse 19 says, Do not fret because of evil men buying land in Vermont <laughs> or be envious of the wicked, for the evil man has no future hope and the lamp of the wicked will be snuffed out. You think the wicked thrive and, 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 and are successful and all this other stuff. God says, no, it's snuffed out. You know, the Bible says that God scoffs at the wicked plans of the, the enemy and the wicked and the evil. He scoffs at it. He laughs at it. You're going to do what? Are you going to do this? And then that's going to happen. Then this is going to happen. You're going to take down all the police stations. And you're going to do this. And you're going to let everybody in. And the whole, the whole world is going to change. And everybody's going to be poor. And you're going to be, have nothing and be happy and God scoffs at it. This is not what I plan for my people. He laughs at it. I'm going to stand on the side of God because he is not afraid. He is not afraid. Can you say amen? And then salvation for the future. Salvation on me for the future. Who will I be in the future? I will be the person under God's salvation in the future. Salvation is not going to leave me. The power of God is not going to leave me. The protection and the defender is not going to leave me. This is who I'm going to be in the future. But my life today is greatly impacted by my view of the future. My life today, because I can feel weak and vulnerable and, 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 and unable and incapable without any confidence. I've got no boldness. Why? Because I have no vision. I, I can't see I can't see into the uncertain future. But what I perceive is it's negative. It's not good. It's, it's not hopeful. But let me tell you something. Get over here under salvation. God, give me vision. Give me hope. God, let, let, me, let me be someone who's anticipating the future. I can get up today and say, today is a new day. I'm standing under the hand of God. And you know why? Because I know tomorrow God needs me to be strong, that I'll have vision, that I'll have vigor, that I'll have something to say. I feel bad for you if you think your best days are behind you. What are you looking forward to? I don't know. I'm just going to exist until the Lord takes me home. I may get an ice cream every now and then, but that's about it. Too bad. Too bad. God might as well take you home today if that's the case. Just tell the Lord, take me today. No, don't, don't do that. Because... Seriously, your words are powerful. But how I view the future makes me weak today if I see only negative and darkness and dread and doom. If I listen to all the people tell me how terrible it's going to be. See, I, I want to I I believe that my future might be uncertain, but in God, it's thrilling. <laughs> I may be uncertain, but I'm thrilled. 
I may not know what's coming, but I know God. It's going to be interesting. I may not know what's about to happen, but I'm in God, and you should see what happens with Him. Amen? I was talking to Pastor Jordan, and I was saying this. Three of the most powerful times to live in history. Number one is in the beginning. But if you're not Adam and Eve, you missed it. But that would be incredible. Even shortly thereafter, to live in the very beginning, everything was camping out, you know. You were on an eternal camping trip in the beginning. The other time was when Christ came and walked the face of the earth and you lived there in Jerusalem or Galilee and you were able to witness or be with him, maybe even be a disciple. That would be an awesome time to be alive. But if you miss the beginning and you miss when Christ came, the other awesome time is at the end. If this is the end, I can't wait till I get to heaven. I'm able to tell everybody I was there. I was at the very end. I mean, you should have seen the end. <laughs> It was thrilling. It was adventurous. I walked with God. The stars fell from the heavens. The sky peeled back. The Lord descended with a trump, with a loud voice. I was there at the end. I'll tell you, I can handle it. Stand to your feet. I'm going to pray for you. I want to put my prayer up here for you. My prayer is that you would be free from your past, bold about today, and thrilled for tomorrow. That's my prayer. Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.